0: I think um, Jeff was talking about somebody else, uh, but I thought I was supposed to be here this week, (laughs) so here I am. It is such a gift to be with you all today. I have admired Second Baptist Liberty for a long time, and the work you do and the kind of church you are, and it's good to see some familiar faces um, of people that I have known and loved and haven't seen in a long time. Um, And I do want to say happy Father's Day to any of those fathers out there and to any of you who have been like a father, to someone who needed that. I've had the gift of being a dad now for about 15 years, and if you happen to have kids, then you know that days like this come along and it it reminds you that uh, there are some people out there counting on you and it reminds you that you're appreciated and... It also sort of reminds you that you really could be a little bit better parent, right? I mean, my brother-in-law, he takes his kids on backpacking trips, and I see that on Facebook, and I think, well, I would probably do that too if I were a better dad. (laughs) I was just talking to a friend of mine a few weeks ago who was telling me that he was taking his seven-year-old son on the first of many um, 48-hour trips. Apparently, he does this one-on-one with each of his kids. Each year he takes each of them on a one-on-one trip for 48 hours to nurture that relationship and to nurture their faith in, in Christ. And I thought to myself, "Well, yeah, I should do that too." And well, I probably would if I were a better dad. <laughs> so you know, Happy Father's Day. How about you try a little harder this year? <laughs> Let's also not forget that today is Juneteenth. And as long as we're talking about things we could do better, it's no secret that white Christianity in America needs to do better when it comes to racial justice and reconciliation. Our, our stream, our little stream of Christianity We have blood on our hands and there's still poison in the stream of Christianity that we live in. It's not a secret that we still have work to do. And I know this church well enough to know that many of you have tried hard in that work. Like me, we've tried to understand better what we didn't understand before. And we've tried to speak up when we find opportunities and we've tried to work for change, but if we're really honest with ourselves, shouldn't we be doing a little more? I know we could do more, and I have a hunch that if we were a little bit more like Jesus, we would do more, or at least I think that's true for me. How about you? Should you? Could you? Would you, if you were A little more like Jesus? That's probably not the only thing you'd do different if you were a little bit more like Jesus. Maybe this sermon should actually just be called Confessions of a Christian. So, as long as we're on a roll here, how about the poor? I know Second does a lot for the poor, and I love to see these bags that you're going to be filling and providing food for the poor in your community. Um, But let's be honest, it's a little easier to fill a bag or to put money in a plate than to give our presents, isn't it? And when was the last time you rubbed sweaty shoulders with the poor and the hungry? You don't have to go very far to find them. They're right outside our front doors here. I was doing a little reading this week, and I found out that One in six of every households here in Kansas City live in poverty. One in six out of every household here in Kansas City. An article in the Kansas City Business Journal actually stated that about 12% in the Kansas City area, 12% of your population, including more than 50,000 children, are considered food insecure. And that was before inflation hit the supermarkets. 50,000 children here in your community. There are some hungry people right here, and we really should be doing more, right? Maybe we would if we were more like Jesus, maybe. We could probably keep going here, but maybe you're getting a little uncomfortable or overwhelmed. Maybe a little resentful that this guy that you don't even really know just lays all this at your feet. Go fix all the problems. (laughs) <laughs> I can't help but wonder if maybe that's a little bit how Jesus' disciples felt there in Acts chapter 6. You know, they were trying to put out all these fires in this gathering group of Jesus' followers coming to be known as the church, and they were trying to be faithful to Jesus' way, and they were trying to teach other people about Jesus's way, and from some points of view, they were actually doing a really great job. Things were going pretty well, but not from everybody's point of view. You see, the non-Jewish widows were not getting the same treatment as everyone else, and the disciples really should be doing more, don't you think? I, I mean, Jesus always had an eye for the outsiders, and these are widows we're talking about. And they are hungry, and they're not getting taken care of. And if the disciples tried harder, they could do more to feed them, and they probably would, too, if they were more like Jesus. So people are complaining. And they are not wrong to be complaining. This is a real problem, just like racism today is a real problem, and hunger is, and sometimes being a good parent is, the widow's are getting neglected and that's a serious problem in the life of the church. And the disciples should make sure the poor are taken care of and and these poor in particular because remember they're the ethnic minority in their church. It's the non-Jewish widows that are neglected and they should especially be paying attention to them, don't you think? I mean, come on people, let's get it done, right? Just make sure that while you're doing that, you are home in time for dinner, and you do take your kids on a backpacking trip every year, and try to be a little bit better spouse so you don't let that romance die. And. Make sure you're reading your Bible and praying every day. You are doing that, right? And by the way, when was the last time you checked up on your aging parents? Oh, and don't forget to call your senators about that gun bill we're all hoping happens. And disciples, the widows are not getting treated fairly, and you're not doing anything about it. Don't you care? I thought you were supposed to be followers of Jesus. I I thought you were supposed to be our pastor. I thought you were a minister. Don't you care? Why aren't you doing more? (laughs) Yeah, I can't help but think the disciples maybe felt a little overwhelmed and, and even resentful at times. I can tell you from firsthand experience that when some of those emails float into your pastoral staff's inbox, they kind of have a right to feel a little resentful. So just as a little side note, I can say this because I'm not your pastor. Be careful what expectations and what agendas you place at your pastor's feet. Be careful of what expectations and agendas you place at your church's feet. Be careful. You see, just because something is genuinely important and it does need to be done, like making sure the widows are not going hungry, it doesn't necessarily make it your pastor's to do. And it doesn't even necessarily make it your congregation's primary thing to do. In fact, just because something is pressing and just because it is important does not necessarily make it even Yours to do. Let me say that again because it's not the kind of thing that we hear in pulpits very often, but it might just be the most important thing that Acts 6 has to say to us this morning. Just because something is genuinely important and does need to happen does not necessarily make them yours to do. But at the same time, you also cannot neglect those things and just turn a blind eye. Both those things are true at the very same time. The disciples, they called together the whole community of disciples and said, things do have to change. The Hellenistic widows have to be treated fairly. We do have to feed them, but this is not ours to do. And in that moment, something starts to change in the room and in the church. It's this kind of change that happens when things begin to shift from confusion towards clarity, from misplaced expectations to right action. In the story, you'll actually notice that the whole spirit of the church shifts in these few verses from complaining about what is not getting done to a spirit of delight in what will be done. Verse 5 says that what they said pleased the whole community. And that shift, that inner shift in the spirit, it was the shift from anxiety to openness, from uncertainty to clarity. It's the kind of shift that happens in the soul of a person or even the soul of a whole community when we begin to move from frustration and blame to shared ownership and clear roles and life-giving boundaries. It's a sign when that happens that the very Spirit of God is actually at work among us. You know, our brothers and our sisters in the Quaker tradition actually are really good at, at this kind of work. And they would describe this moment as a clearing happening, an opening happening. They might even say that there in Acts chapter 6, way opened before them. I love the way they use language, way opens before them. Now, I know this summer you all are moving through the book of Acts and you're exploring questions around discernment and what it means to listen to and that sometimes elusive spirit of God. And Acts is trying to remind us that one of the most important questions when it comes to discerning the movement of the divine spirit is not just what needs to be done, but the question of what is mine to do and what is not mine to do. In this particular season of my life, in this particular place and time, what is and what is not mine to do? Because there's so much I could do. And there's an endless supply of voices around me telling me what I should do. Even an endless sound of a voice in my own head telling me what I could do and what I probably would be doing if I were really a better person. But as people who are committed to the way of Jesus... We are committed to being driven and drawn by the very spirit of God as Jesus was. And Jesus surprised and disrupted those around him when he said yes to the needs around him. And sometimes Jesus even surprised and disrupted those around him when he said no. No, he said to the garrison demoniac just after he healed him. You cannot come with us. You have other work to do. No, he said when news came to him that Lazarus was dying. It is not my time to go. Martha later says, but you could have saved him. No, Jesus says to the crowds, I won't just give you another sign to make it more clear just because you want one. Remember, Jesus did not do everything and fix everything that needed to be done. He didn't get caught up in everybody else's agenda for his life. Instead, he allowed himself to be led by the Spirit of God. He was led to touch and to heal in ways that were often unexpected. And he was led to teach and to feed and to laugh and to celebrate in ways that were often unexpected. And he was led to pray and to struggle and to love and to weep and to friendship and into community. And eventually he was led to a garden where he prayed for strength and and said, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. Jesus was led by the Spirit and it looked different at different points in his own life and it looked different at different points even in his own ministry. Leading, Listening to the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, it it means we have to listen for and, and learn to recognize what is ours to do and what is not ours to do. And there are a lot of spiritual practices that can help us with that. I can't cover them all today or you would be here forever. Um, But I can tell you our story for Acts. It reminds us of at least a few things that we need to keep in mind. For starters, it does begin by setting some boundaries and getting clear about what is most important right now that we are being called to. You know, for the 12... They were being called to a particular kind of leadership in that moment, and they knew that meant they needed to spend extra time in prayer and study and teaching and reading. They needed to do that in order to fulfill what they were called to do, knowing who you are and honoring your boundaries is essential. But that's not all. Remember, the 12 all answered the need together as one voice, one group of 12, which I think tells us something about the role of community and learning to listen for the Spirit. We're really bad about that as American Christians. We always think we've got to figure it out on our own, in my own little closet, in my own little life. We're not very good at drawing together and listening in community But learning to do that is really essential. And you know, even once the 12 gathered together and they came up with their response, they then called the whole community together. And and Acts says that they began to share with them what they had discerned and quote, it pleased the whole community, remember. And the community responded together by naming all these names that I can't say and Jeff did a pretty good job of trying to read off this morning. I should warn you, though, that listening to the Spirit's guidance, learning to recognize what is yours to do and what isn't yours to do, won't always please the whole community around you. Sure, some will understand, but some will not. And some may even be angry and resentful that you're not acting on their agenda for your life. But if you'll gather those around you who are willing to listen with an open heart, with an open body, open mind to your soul and what's stirring there in your heart and body and mind, then chances are you're going to be surprised what you'll hear. And some confusion that you're having in your life will give way to clarity, and joy and delight will start to seep in around you because together, you will have heard something profoundly true and beautiful and good. And it might not completely make sense at first, but when clearness and openness comes, it's a sign that you're on your way to discovering not what you should or could or would do if you're a better person, but you're actually on your way to discovering where the divine spirit that gave you life where the Holy One that created you and loves you and delights in you is leading you to now. Amen.